Do you manage your own IT for distributed teams in Asia? And you know how painful it is. Esavel helps your in-house team by taking cumbersome tasks off their hands and giving them the tools to manage IT effectively. Get help across eight countries in Asia Pacific from on and offboarding, procuring devices to real-time IT support and device management. With our state-of-the-art platform, gain full control of all your IT infrastructure in one place. Our team of IT support pros are keen to help you grow. So check out esevel.com and get a demo today. Use our referral code ASIA for three months free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the premier podcast dedicated to dissecting the pulse of business technology and media in Asia. I'm Bernard Leung, and the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has sent shockwaves to the rest of the world, not just the tech ecosystem in Silicon Valley. What is the impact of Silicon Valley Bank on Asia Pacific, specifically for China, India, and even Southeast Asia companies? With me here is Shai Oster the Asia Bureau Chief for the Information. And Shai, I have been following the information where I've broken some really big stories on the topic. And welcome to the show and let's get into the story. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So maybe I will set the context first about what Silicon Valley Bank is and then we will talk about why they got into trouble and subsequently what has happened up to our current time, which is 13 of March, 9 p.m. in Singapore time. And that means it's actually 9 a.m. now in New York time, where the market bell has just started ringing. So Silicon Valley Bank, or aka SVB, was founded in 1983 in California and become the bank for the tech sector there and the people who finance it to basically help the startup ecosystem. And of course, it claimed to have banked for nearly half of the US venture-backed startups as of 2021. And it's also the banking partner for a lot of the venture capital firms because I was looking at their S1 and I could see all the branded venture capital firms from your Sequoia, Anderson Horowitz, Benchmark, yada, 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 that funded the startups. And it's also called itself the financial partner of the innovation economy. I think one thing is that it's very tightly woven into the financial infrastructure of the tech industry, specifically the startups. So it actually opened in globally. So I don't want to call it a regional bank. It's open in Israel. It in 2008, sorry, the UK in 2012, China 2012 with Pudong Development Bank. That's probably in Shanghai. Ireland in 2016, Germany in 2018, and India, Canada, and Denmark in 2019. That means, if I hear it correctly yesterday during Janet Yellen's interview, any foreign bank can actually take it over. But of course, it must pass this. So maybe, Shai, maybe just help us understand a little bit about what this bank is what it really means and why did it experience a bank run and ended up in trouble? So so I, I'm not a banking expert, but so I'm, I'm sure to mangle this and I'm sure you'll get angry comments. But I would think of Silicon Valley Bank as a small town bank. But in this case, the small town happens to be a global footprint. It's the, it's the bank for Silicon Valley, which is, and so it developed an expertise in dealing with particularly the small and young emerging startups, which a big bank wouldn't necessarily touch because they represent a kind of risk that normal banks don't deal with, right? Here I am, I'm a, I'm a young woman, graduated from MIT. I have a brilliant idea, but I have no revenue. 
and my business model is kind of sketchy, but my venture capital backers believe in me and they include, you know, Anderson Horowitz and whatever. Now, if you're Citibank or HSBC or, or you know, Bank of America, you're going to look at this and say, well, how am I going to lend you money or even open if, if I don't, you know, what's your asset? You don't even have a garage, right? Where Silicon Valley Bank sort of developed an expertise in serving these clients and, you know, took a gamble in some way, but it was a pretty lucrative gamble. It worked out pretty well for them, but they developed that expertise and, and it's really like boots on the ground networking. They really developed that network of, of, of bankers in the Valley where they would sort of, you know, it's, it's a unique expertise to know how to lend and deal and do business banking for a very young nascent startup. Now, that expertise, they then try to export to startup scenes around the world. So you have an active startup scene in Israel, you have somewhat of a startup scene in the UK, and then, of course, in India and in China. In China, they were actually already doing some work, I think, in the early thousands and opened up like a, some kind of office in 2005. The joint venture with Pudong was in 2012, and that was interesting because they were doing some local currency business. I don't. I think the scale is still somewhat, somewhat modest, but they were also managing... Now, they developed such a good relationship with the Shanghai government that they were even managing some of the government guidance funds, which are essentially government pools of cash for venture capital. So they were pretty embedded in the scene. And in particular, what Silicon Valley Bank could do for players in India and in particular China is that if you're a young startup guy or woman from, from Shanghai or Shenzhen or heaven forbid from like a third tier city and you're have a, and your company if you're trying to raise dollars, it's going to be set up in some kind of like offshore BVI, Cayman Islands, and you rock up to your big Wall Street bank and say, hi, I'm an unknown Chinese person with a bank account in the Cayman Islands, and I'd like to open up a credit line for $2 million. No, right? Like the banks need to do the KYC, you know, know your client and all the anti-money laundering regulations. It's just like so much work to figure out who this person, you know, he or she is where the money's coming from, what the actual business is, why is it Cayman Islands? How come, wait a second, but you don't actually own anything. You have a contra, like the VIE structure is really hard to understand. And so you understand like how a big bank, like why am I going to devote like hours of manpower, woman power resources to, to sorting through this? It just wasn't worth their time. And Silicon Valley sort of became the, the default. And also, you know, it was already the, the banker for the funds. So if I'm a Sequoia Capital, Sequoia China, I say, look, my fund is already with Sequoia Capital. You, and then I can bring my my hot startup to the bank and say, look, I vouch for Xiaowang and, and, you know, Xiaomei. I think they're superstars. Trust me, I got them. Like, they're good. They're not, they're not, they're, this isn't like some weird narco syndicate thing. This really is like going to be Meituan or ByteDance, whoever it might be. And so that's great now. And so because it's really difficult, you know, there's also capital control on the Chinese side, there's the money laundering regulation on the US side. So it was quite difficult for some unknown startup to open up a bank account offshore. And that, but opening up that bank account offshore is the only way to raise US dollars, right? Otherwise, like you can't, what are you going to do? So the loss of this conduit was potentially like devastating for the Chinese startups, particularly the early stage. Like once you're like, unicorn status like then like the guys at, at Citibank are going to come knocking and say hey we'd like to be your commercial banker we hear you have like revenue of 100 million dollars a year and we'd like to be part of that <laughs> right so I think Meituan had to issue a statement saying that they were no longer banking with SBP which makes sense because I think 
you know, as I recall, a Silicon Valley Bank total balance sheet is like 150 billion and Meituan, I think market cap is roughly the same. Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course, they're going to be banking at someplace bigger. But, you know, and we spoke to, we, uh, we, we did an interview, spoke with one startup that's also in, in, in you know, they raised $200 million, according to PitchBook, roughly $3 million, a company called Laia. They do robotic process automation, among other things. And in their earliest stages, they were with Silicon Valley Bank. And as they matured, you know, very, very, uh, how do you say, presciently, they had started reallocating their capital in the U.S. to other banks and in, in, within China also to, to, well, they would have to have a Chinese bank account. Mm. Now, as to the cause of the run, it's basically the bottom line is rising interest rates caused the bank's assets. They'd park their cash in tr- U.S. treasuries. And as the interest rates rose, the value of the treasuries went down and that caught them short a little bit of cash. And the arguably wisely said, okay, we need to recapitalize to make up for the shortfall. And once that got out, and they have to announce it, it's a, it's a public trade institution, these are banks, they have to their degrees of transparency. Once that got out, people are like, wait, what do you mean you have to recapitalize the value of what? And you know, bank runs are like are, are a mass psychosis. And somebody else says, so I forget who, who was quoting this. They're like, well, capitalism is a collective hallucination. So sometimes we hallucinate the wrong differently, <laughs> right? And, and this is really like the classic case where like the bank has no assets because everyone decided the bank has no assets, right? If everyone had decided like, eh, it's fine, yeah, they'll raise the 5 billion, don't sweat it. But like, I think there's perhaps an underlying anxiety already in the markets. And so all it takes is that one trigger. But but basically it's interest rates are the culprit. And, I, and, and to some extent, it seemed that they may have not, you know, adequately hedged for that interest rate risk. Now, I'm not a banking expert. I don't know the ins and outs. I haven't seen anyone do a deep dive yet on whether or not they weren't hedged. And maybe there's some mm-hmm. other underlying issues, but it seems that they just didn't hedge for interest rate risks. Yeah, they didn't hedge for interest rate risks. In fact, there's a very good article by Mark Rubenstein from Net Interest, who I actually read pretty religiously on financial institutions and structures. They actually bought some mortgage securities and because the deposits are actually getting lower and lower, that's also where the, they suffered what is called a durational risk. Had mm, they had enough yeah. time on that. And then the best part was when they wanted to recapitalize, they started informing all the VCs. And then some of the VCs say, hold. And then some of the big ones, like Peter Thiel, asked them to pull out everything from Founders Fund. And so it triggered a bank run on that. And actually, as it happens, even for me as an angel investor, I, I'm getting it within, in Southeast Asia, emails from startups that invested we you know and i think in Southeast Asia it's a little bit okay because everyone's like oh i bank with a local bank i don't have any exposure there as as well and then i have secondary effects that came because of the usdct pegging and i'm a full-term web3 investor so i'm like getting like panic mode in like what's going to happen my us dollars is now went from one dollar down to 0.89 cents debugging and then everybody started to panic which is which is what it's a bank run plus yeah, yeah. the effects into the ecosystem. So, yeah. so the question now is, you know, the, the federal government, you know, came in with a guarantee. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the sale of the, U, of the UK assets, I think is quite, is, the, the numbers seem quite small. You know, just it's just breaking news. So the, I think the numbers are like $4 billion. It's a, it's a relatively small balance sheet, right? It's not, mm. not systemic. I don't think they really were huge in the UK. But, you know, as of early trading, it seems that people aren't buying into it yet. It hasn't stemmed the panic and the feeling that other regional banks 
are also are also inadequately hedged against these risks. In fact, in the press release from the U.S. Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC, was that they are going to have a program to backstop the deposits. They are only going to protect the depositors and not to the shareholders or the management of that. And then they also, within the same press release, talk about a similar systemic risk exception for Signature Bank, which is actually the other crypto bank other than Silvergate for a few days ago, which got totally Hmm. got onto a bank run and has collapsed as well. So I don't know whether this is going to start percolating across the US banking system you know, it's a little, it feels a little bit like 2008 where, you know, Bastons. <laughs> right, so, right. Well, yeah. so I so the language there, I mean, so basically the government, what they're saying is like, we're, we're, we're not bailing out the people who made the mistake. We're bailing out the people who hold accounts. Mm. If I, I mean, I don't, you know, they don't want to use the word bailout because it's not taxpayer funded. But the idea is that if you're a startup and you're using SVB to pay your payroll, your payroll is safe. If you're somebody who lent money to SVB, you know, some private equity firm, or you're a shareholder, tough breaks. But chances are you're, you know, you're an accredited investor, a high net worth individual, you can take a little pain. Whereas the, you know, the the nascent startup with 30 people or 100 people or 1000 people, if they can't make payroll, that's actually really problematic. So I could see a wobble in share prices because all the all the shareholders go, oh, my goodness. But I think you know, it's it's hard to gauge a market because it's psychology, right? Not necessarily reality, or it's it's psychology that's going to drive the reality. And it's unclear to me, you know, Biden's going to be, I think Biden's supposed to be giving a speech later today. You, you know, if, if they decide that the real economy matters more than the investor economy, then things might ca- calm down relatively soon. Mm. Uh, do you, but do you think what in this situation, actually it affects only like the Series A, Series B startups in Asia Pacific? I mean, now everything is okay. Everybody's allowed to withdraw. The, depo- the depositors are allowed to withdraw, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, because one, one interesting thing is that the Silicon Valley Bank actually offer certain loan services to founders, even VCs who first started out their fund as well. I mean, this will actually make it almost very difficult because the the actual financial plumbing for startups and the VC ecosystem in Silicon Valley collapsed and probably the rest of the world, this ecosystem doesn't exist anymore now. So yeah. it will be very difficult for, I mean, liquidity-wise, move, I mean, Anything that happens in the U.S. reflects back to the rest of the world. Are we going to be seeing some form of, I, I don't know whether I call it maybe comma recession and then maybe even turn into a type of depression for the startup ecosystem? It depends how fast the vultures swoop in. Oh, I, I'm kidding. But what, what's so, yes, you're right. So there are all this financial. It's unclear to me in, in the details of what will or st- won't be still functioning, right? Mm. Can under federal control. Will the bank still do these lines of credit? I don't know. I don't think that's... I'm sure they're working on that. And I, and I think they're sophisticated enough to understand the ramifications that it's not just about, you know, startups doing payroll, but also about, you know, a VC having access to its credit line. The other thing is that, you know, there's the bidding process right now to acquire the bank. That's complicated. And in the meantime, people are going to be looking for alternatives. And it's a question of how quickly they can create these alternatives. I know people, friends of mine who have startups in the US have already opened up bank accounts. In fact, the information, I think we even wrote about it, 
you know, we, we've, we've, we've figured out a way to protect ourselves. But definitely, I, I know a handful of startups where, and even a Chinese startup where they had an American co-founder, you know, just went to the JP Morgan and within a few, you know, an hour was able to open up a bank account. So for the ones that have an alternative, they're probably already trying to seek it. The other the Wall Street banks, you know, I, I, I have a friend who's former SVB from ages, you know, a couple of years back. And he was saying basically like, now every Wall Street CEO is like, oh, wait, Silicon Valley has money. Oh, there's a whole line of business here. I wasn't aware we could do, right? So like, yes, it's a, you know, it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the Chinese expression that doesn't really exist in crisis is opportunity, right? I think that's a myth, mm. right? That, that expression, but it really is in this case. Yeah, Silicon Valley Bank's crisis is going to be an opportunity for everybody else. It, it's a question of how long and how quickly that transaction will take. My guess is we'll see a very ugly three to six months. But then again, it also depends on like the the details of what this federal control looks like. I mean, you know, th th there have been times where the government's controlled companies and they've functioned pretty well. Royal Bank of Scotland in the UK did okay. You know, there have been examples of effectively government ownership of companies, I think, in the US where the company still managed to function. So I don't know yet if like, like is everybody who knows that who's, 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 who knows anything at, at, at SVB, is there, are they going to be like, F-bomb, I'm out of here. Or are they going to and like take their expertise to another bank where it's going to take six months for them to get, you know, get, get the institutional plumbing in place? Or are they going to stay? So I think there's a lot of questions that we don't know. I think what the future, what, so the, the next six months are a haze. After six months, though, it's clear that they're like the weird institutional, like Silicon Valley will no longer only have one bank, which is crazy. Right? When, when you look back on it, you're like, this is an insane idea where like all of our risk is on one institution. Like who, who, who looked at this and said, great idea, guys. Um, and so we'll probably be in a healthier, in some ways, a healthier position where you know, all these other banks will have scrambled and gotten talent and pushed all the best and brightest from SVB and built their own Silicon Valley branches. That's the optimistic case. The, you know, the, the pessimistic case is that like, well, you know, the internet breaks and we're all going to be, you know, sending smoke signals. But do you, um, do you think that it will end up in becoming a regionalization type situation? Like say maybe India will have its own version of Silicon Valley Bank. China will end up having its own Silicon Valley Bank. Southeast Asia might have its own as well because suddenly you know everything used to be concentrated in one is now being shattered right across the uh, world i think because the capital is still largely usd the institutions will still remain primarily american just not just one bank i mean it's crazy when you think when you look back on it it's it's crazy that silicon valley bank like which is effectively a small town bank was was doing this for everybody. My so my guess is that there might be like joint ventures, partnerships, but I think it's still going to be, you know, it'll just be another part of the portfolio of the Goldman Sachs's or the ABN Amro's, you know, or the or the, you know, Credit Suisse or whatever. They're all going to have as part of their portfolio, you know, startup and VC businesses. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, I could see a Japanese bank playing a key role right through SoftBank as well. Chinese banks, tough one. It's really not, you know, small private businesses and not really in their DNA, right? They're 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 good at global finance, but like it's you know, Costco and you know, 
that big state-owned shipping and construction. That's just not not not, not, not India. Don't know enough about India, but I think it still comes down to like your big LPs. If you're if you're a startup and you're raising money from a big Western LP or with Western GP like Andreessen Horowitz or whoever, or private equity, then your banker is going to be Western. Hmm. And also one thing for sure, most of the Asian VCs is a lot their money from LPs in the US. And mm. I think over the weekend, it's also quite a nightmare because there were VCs that had so much assets tied into Silicon Valley Bank and then they couldn't, they may not even be able to afford payroll. Right. And then and, and they need to go to their LP and ask for some emergency drawdown to basically fund some of the startups within the portfolio. I mean, I could see like with this kind of impact now, you know, the the even for the LPs, it might be even much more difficult for them to invest into the Asia Pacific region as a whole. I'm talking about the China, India, plus Southeast Asia, take your pick, whichever region is. Do you see that do you see that impact happen? Or you just it's only the next six months and then wait and see something else shows up? I mean, th- there's so much else going on in the region that's problematic. I mean, you know, the reverse CFIUS and all these constraints on investment and, you know, the, in particular, the slowdown of investment into China has already been pretty sharp. India, I don't have figures on the top of my head. I think it's still going to continue. I think what happened over the weekend was the legitimate response where people were scrambling to make sure they could make money and payroll. That problem is solved now. Right. Like that money is okay. You don't need to go to your VC. You don't need to go to your LPs to get cash. That's that like that's government stepped in and we're fine. I mean, you know, your your share price, there may, there may be some other weird like secondary derivative impacts from share price and sort of market jitters, but the money's safe. And I think everyone will be gun shy for a while because they've just been traumatized. Um, but, you know, I think after three to six months, people will start looking again at the fundamentals. And with, with China, the big question is like, can you trust Xi? Xi you know, President Xi Jinping, or, or should we say party secretary Xi Jinping? Is he trustworthy? And how much do you believe in the economic recovery post-COVID? Right. And that that's that's going to be, you know, people will figure out a way, if they believe in the China story, they'll figure out a way to get money into it. Um mm. Uh, but I do think that there's going to be there's a lot of wound licking and sort of, you know, particularly for Chinese investors, like they've just been traumatized so much. Like, you know, they've had a rough, rough 12 months. Like they really didn't need this. Yeah. Sometimes I really wonder what's really going on. But OK, just one final thing. What would be your advice now to the startups in the Asia Pacific after this event? Hmm. I would keep your money in Silicon Valley Bank. For, you know, wait a little bit. I think it's safe. I trust, you know, I mean, maybe foolishly, but I trust America. I trust, <laughs> well, I, I, you know, Janet Yellen, like there's something about her that I'm just like, yeah, like whatever she, I'm like, sh- sh- I, you know, her word is gold, but do look for an alternative because it's going to take you, if you're, especially if you're Chinese, it's going to take you a long time to open up another bank account, but it does make sense to start hedging your bets because the SVP of today is not going to be the SVP of, of the future. And my concern is that whoever takes over the bank may not have, you know, when the next bike dance in the making rocks up and says, I'm, I'm some rando Chinese dude from some rando village who has the opening up a BVI account. Hi, You're like, dude, no, <laughs> you know, like it, it could be that their first instinct is like, is this some kind of drug? For-? You know what I mean? Like that's, 
building an expertise, that's just not easy to do. Um, so, and, I, and I've heard, you know, friends of mine have told me that it took them a year to open up a bank account in like one of the mainline investment banks or, or sort of commercial banks, a year of due diligence and meetings and phone calls. And this was a VC who was raising $200 million. So it's not chump change, right? It's not like, oh, it's my first fund. You don't know me. Somebody with a relatively established track record, but it took them a year and like a lot of pulling guanxi. And so replacing that is just not easy. So, you know, keep your money safe for now. You know, don't buy gold bars yet. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think we're at the stage of smuggling diamonds on, you know, in, in our in our underwear to 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 pay people. Our um, grandma's putting money in their boxes. That was like yes. in the 1920s, 1930s. Yeah, well, money, you know, and, and luckily our inflation isn't so bad. But, you know, I, I think now is the time to, like, look for an alternative. And and it's going to take a long time to find that alternative just because the paperwork and the proof of all that, who you are and whatnot, it's going to be, it won't be simple. I think the, the, the competing banks see an opportunity, so they're going, to make it, they're going to make it quicker because they want that business. They suddenly realize, as I said earlier, that there is a business there. Um <laughs> But uh, I think I think the worst of it is over. The famous last words. Mm. Well, I think we'll continue to monitor, and then if there's anything up, we can always have another emergency podcast. So, Shai, many thanks for coming on the show. Just one closing thing for you: Can you just tell my audience where to find you? And of course, the information is really putting up a lot of great stuff this weekend, and I've been reading a lot of interesting stuff as a subscriber. Fantastic. Glad to hear. So we're theinformation.com. I'm at shy, S-H-A-I, at theinformation.com. I'm also on Twitter at Beijing Scribe. And yeah, my DMs are open. I'm also on Signal and the Telegram, Fax Machines, Smoke Signals, <laughs> Stone Carvings. I'm, I'm out there. I'm also on LinkedIn at Shy. And uh, yeah, another one interesting thing is I'm now based in Bangkok, you know, for the past a couple of months, but I sort of more officially announced it lately and it's interesting to see so many people in town are excited to to see the it's an interesting perspective to see china from from another angle i'm finally actually using more chinese apps here than i was in hong kong such as lazada and whatnot but in any case i we are following the story i don't think it's over yet i'm curious to see if china somehow has a way to weigh in on this um because vc investing is so important to the chinese economy you know, the lawyers I all spoke to said, no, the Shanghai Pudong joint venture is a small, discrete business. But I, I, I just have a feeling that there's somebody in Zhongnanhai sitting there trying to think like, how can we, you know, leverage this, this crisis for our opportunity? What can we do that'll increase our standing? You know, again, like pure crazy speculation. This is not reporting. This is just me, you know, mulling things that like, if I were to be you know, Xi Jinping's advisor, I'd be like, dude, we need to find a way to like, just kind of like put a monkey in the wrench, you know, just as a way to say like, look, China matters. And you're about to like do something important with a big bank that has a global footprint on technology. You need to ask us for permission. Total speculation, guys. I'm just spitballing. And everyone I've spoken to says I'm nuts. So take it as you will. It's just this feeling that I'm, wait I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Okay. And definitely find us... Analyze the show on the YouTube channel. And Shai, we will talk very soon. All right, take care.